Hello everyone and welcome to episode 68 of Competitive Magic with the Carnies. I'm your host from Italy, Andrea Mengucci, and joining me, as always, we have Javier Dominguez from Spain. Hello everyone. And Anthony Lee from Australia. Hola. We have a great news to show you, that is my very good friend Marco Del Pivo winning the original championship in Ghent, and uh, I can very well and safely say that from the, the, the carnies, we want to do a big round of applause to Pivo for this great achievement. Very much so. I always tell true. Pivo, I've been telling Pivo for a long time that he is the greatest player of Italy, uh, and now he has cemented that. So it's uh, great, yes. great to see, you know. That's actually true. Like, you know, yes. it's not the classic saying it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying it the whole time. I've since since Philadelphia. <laughs> Back to back, year. back to back. Actually, yeah. Proto Top Eight, winning the RC, <laughs> wow. same deck, Timur Rhinos. Uh, yeah, at the time he just picked it up uh, before uh, the PT in Barcelona, but now it's uh, you know definitely tested a lot for this event. Came with a very good list, and also he shared a article on his uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, so definitely make sure to. Check out the deep dive that uh, that he wrote. Actually, I watched him writing it and uh, on the plane, and then <laughs> fixing it all on the train. So it was uh, he definitely spent a lot of time there, as well as of course all the work done beforehand with the testing team. So again, congratulations to people. It was, uh, was very good. Yes, actually, I watched the event from um, like live. Like I was there watching the event. And I have to say that uh, watching the event live, you don't follow the game at all. You just root and see the vibes going around because you can't see anything going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more like games are like you're there just with your friends. Like if you want to watch a game itself, it's probably better to watch it on the phone in the coverage. And then if your friend wins, you just go hug or something. But it's a different experience, right? It's just like more human and think. You be there. They, you're there with your friends rooting. They don't have it's the screens at the RC, like you know, like at the PT. There's the player lounge. Like, do they not have something like that? Yeah, no, they had it. They had it for sure. Uh, in the next to the ultimate guard booth, they had uh, some screen with the coverage, and even in the VIP area. But I just stayed very close to people, like near, next to the future match, and yeah, I guess they. Well, the screens are not where you are, right? So yeah, that's the thing exactly. you have to pick either the screen or just be there with a friend. And yeah. you can easily see being with friends a more unique thing in a way. For sure. Also, like his top eight was really out of nowhere because, like, we were like he picked up a loss at some point. Uh, he started the tournament seven uh, two the the day two, and he picked up a loss, and we thought that. At X3, you were out of top 8 contention. You know, yeah, you told me that. You didn't have great tiebreakers. You scanned so, me. Um, yeah, so like everybody thought that Pivo was out. Um, he even like, you know, messaged um, uh, a chat with Zen saying, oh, no, you know, I'm out. I'm going to draw the last round and into whatever prize. And then, you know, I was playing a side event, so I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't even know what was going to happen. And then I played like this one hour long side event around because I was just 
I went to time and etc. And then I picked up a phone and there's a missed call from Pivo and he messaged, I top hated. <laughs> in eighth place <laughs> you know? from Italy. The, yeah, exactly. True, like they even that's announced an actual it. true eighth place from Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they even announced it, but I guess I was very focused in my, in my side event that I didn't, yeah, even, you didn't, know I didn't even hear yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, oh. so I went to... I went to to check it out and they were taking the pictures and I saw them him and Martos and I was like yeah it was it was crazy like like what I yeah I just definitely didn't expect it so it was kind of weird I think because he was on table seven and uh, there was like he played on table seven you know what I mean yeah there was like a couple of draws like the one on table six that maybe like you know mess like table six should have played instead they draw into the PT invite and that freed a slot uh, and also the table after people also drew okay well that's so very that understandable if, if they play if they play the loser doesn't get to the PT right well that's uh, not technically true because some people like plenty of people with X4 not plenty sorry actually three people only uh three people only with x4 got the pt invite but you can understand so, that one. Uh, that, 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 that's interesting. so what will you guys do like let's say you're there you are you know on 10 3 and or whatever 11 3 whatever it's called so if you id you go to the pt and if you play if you win you make the top eight and if you lose you're out of the pt i think i will id you should actually. definitely draw i will like like it, I will, I, I will, I will draw. I will draw in this spot. Like I don't think it's weird. I will actually draw. It's not even like like yes, even if people tell you that the math is probably this way, I would still draw if if there was less risk that something might go wrong. Like I think the PT invite is worth so much more, but especially for the first one of a cycle, because if you qualify for the first PT, your odds at making worlds that way are a lot better as well. Like yeah, you need to do a fine PT, right? Yeah, like yes, I, but how can you not draw? I don't know. Okay, uh, remember that Pivo though <laughs> came was one of the very few people that already had a Pro Tour invite to Seattle. Well, it's different. No, absolutely. I'm no, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you people you don't draw, no, if you people you definitely don't draw. I'm talking if you are yeah, all yeah. people that are not qualified. Yeah, you're saying I table actually six. feel yeah. I think table six specifically. I mean that obviously opened the spot for people, right? That's how it looks. But like, if you're them. I mean, I think drawing is yeah good. Like I, I, I will draw. I'm very strongly agree. Like I, I don't think, I don't think, yeah, I, winning the tournament is worth. Like winning the tournament, like you have to win one, like four rounds in, for three rounds in a row to qualify for Worlds or something. Two. I think that's just like too ambitious. Yes, like, but remember that uh, there's also a lot of money on the line. Uh, the top eight uh, has a lot of money on the line in this tournament. Like if you draw into twenty fourth, you win like. An amount sure. of money like two hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. That's like that's the that's, top eight is like, okay. That's, that's, that's actually that's a thing as well. Thing. But, but like that's just like a specific no, know, priority. Like maybe some people value the PT invite a lot more because of the you know the intangible value to them. Like, I I would just never say that you know they should or shouldn't um, draw or not. Like they they, they have a specific priority, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to uh, prioritize right the because of for the PT economic value. What's the first prize money? Sixteen thousand dollars. I don't know. Sixteen. Like, I mean, that's actually large as compared to the PT, right? Like that's a third of winning a PT. But like money is just so, not like it just has different value to different people. Like no, obviously, obviously. But like I'm saying, like it, then it, it's just a question of like, well, you could actually kind of calculate how much money you're sacrificing for a drawing here, right? Yeah, that's you something can. you can calculate. So 
that will be the amount of money you're paying to secure the PT slot. And then you will have to compare that with how you match how much you value the PT yeah. slot and just do whatever's bigger. Yeah. I mean, in theory, you can do that, but in practice, it's very hard to make this calculation in real time. For sure. You just don't get time and, to make it. And, you know... I mean, it's not that hard, right? It's just like 50% of the top of equity. Like, you calculate well, like, the top of equity yeah. and just well, have it not flat. Like times you don't, two. You don't have equal chances of winning each matchup. Well, assuming you are sort of like a 50%-ish. Okay, there you I think yeah. that's roughly... Let's assume... Let's assume that if you lose, you're out. Because, yeah. for example, Pivo's opponent, Luca Martino, finished, unfortunately, uh, you know, 26th, so out of the PT invite. So it is definitely a very, uh, you know, we we honestly just not being there, you can't really say now yeah, what, would you, what you would have done. Well, uh, we have run. <laughs> you I, I have tell run. You we'll have, if I'm table yeah. six, I will have run. Yes, I will. Okay. What if you are playing Rhinos against Yogmot? I think I will have drawn in virtually I would every matchup. Like, like that's like yeah. I think it's not very much dependent for me in this situation. I just feel like the risk of not playing the PT is like too high. Yeah, and the, also the, the fail rate is just too bad. Like, personal value, it's just so bad. Yeah, but let's say it's a good matchup. It's a forty sixty, right? The forty of dying is a lot. Forty sixty anyway, for sure. Yeah. Even if it's yeah, like forty that. forty of things going bad is is a lot. You know, it's almost half percent of things. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, so, like, definitely money thing, but like, what's the topic price? Like, two K or something like this? I don't know. I don't remember, but yeah. Anyway, uh, people came in from the eighth place, so he started playing uh, on the draw every round. First match against Steven Minelli, mirror match. Uh, he won. And by the way, uh, Carnis, do you know that uh, Pivo tested with Makuto, and both of them played against five team of Rhinos decks, so five mirror match, and they went a combined of 10 and 0. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's quite something. They, they, they probably solved the mirror. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so yeah, and then he beat uh, two uh, Yogmoth players in a row, Daniel Toledo to win the World's Invite, and Bora Hannes Carvajal to win the, the whole thing, so... Again, uh, super congrats to Vivo. Uh, super happy. Uh, yeah, just super happy. And it was uh, definitely an amazing... For him to have come from... Not, Do like, you remember? He wasn't even... He had to LCQ into the very first RC. And then from not even being qualified for the first RC, he played all three PTs and Worlds for the first two years of the paper system coming yeah. back. Like, it's... That's, that's really something. It's kind of what people would dream of. Yeah, and it's also like we're thinking about we're talking about like a, a player that you know it's not by any meaning like uh, one of those like you know student that has like infinite times and grinds infinite time like he has a job like he plays in his free time while having a you know very uh, quite important job so just yeah it's just it's definitely inspiring to kind of like anyone that wants to succeed in uh, competitive magic nowadays. Yeah, I think so. And it's he's also not like a super genius or something, you know? Like he's just, uh, he just applies himself. Yeah. And he's very open-minded. Definitely. And I think uh, For sure. that's, that's what, because Pivo, like when he started, it, was, it wasn't like, it was like a walk in the park either, but he's improved very substantially every PT from what I can tell. Um, and I think that's, uh, that, that's in a way like almost more impressive than someone who just comes in and just destroys everything, you know? Like, Pivo is really, like, kind of the people's champion, in my mind. More so than almost anyone else I can think of, so... Nice! Yeah. If, if you remember, uh, when we did the 
wrap-up episode of 2023, I said how it was a pleasure to watch Kyle win because, you know, when you're there, you don't quite enjoy as much as uh, watching a very best friend of yours winning. So I, I, I got to live that uh, this past weekend in the semifinals and finals, and it was, it was very fun. Sweet. Okay, so let's maybe talk we can about watch Anthony win Chicago. Hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, how did the events go. Like the um, there's there's some there's some very good stats that I uh, talked in my uh, January power rankings uh, video that I want to share with you here, and that is the uh, the. Um, a very cool stats by Sierkovitz, which is uh, a map that says uh, players with 10 wins or more and then expected players at 10 wins or more. So it's like... Okay, that's an interesting state stat. Yeah, I think it's a very good stats. And it basically tells you, I think you can re easily read from this, the overperformer and the underperformer of this weekend in Ghent. So we have... Uh, Timur Rhinos as the best uh, performing deck with, uh, I believe, uh, 20 players uh, going with 10 wins or more and uh, out of the 15 of expected uh, based on uh, how many players were in the event. And then we had Golgari Yogmoth and then we had Amulet Titan. Those three decks vastly overperformed. I would say that Golgari Yogmoth actually... Yeah, wow performed better than Timur Rhinos because yes. there was an expected number of players with 10 wins of more of 11 and instead there was 19 players who made That's 10 wins lot, or more. That's a lot, right? Like, I'm not familiar with this kind of stats specifically, but this story tells like Golgari was just the, the deck to play in the in the tournament. Yes. That's yeah, how so it looks. When it comes to stats, I think it's there's like a lot of numbers and you kind of overloaded on them. But this is the one that honestly stuck with me the most. Uh, Golgari Yogmoth was three copies of the top eight and I think another very important stats of, of Golgari Yogmoth is that its bad matchup, its worst matchup, happens to be the most popular deck. So, to me, this tells me how good is the deck because you know it is very good. You are be you're bad against the most popular deck, yet you perform you outperform the field. And uh, I don't think I don't remember something like this happening to to a format. And I think that. Uh, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's not common because usually when this is the case, that a deck is good that much, but against everything so but so much, it actually becomes the most popular deck, and then you know a new predator kind of like you know rises to attack that deck and the such. But I guess modern is balanced in that regard with the the few decks we talked about last week. But I mean, definitely did not expect Jamov to be this ahead in numbers. Yeah, that, yeah when I was. Uh... Yeah, when I was testing, uh, definitely uh, Yogumoth was always the most challenging deck to play against. I guess also because it was playing Merktide, but that's <laughs> another story. Um, so yeah, and the other deck that uh, definitely outperformed uh, the presence was Amulet Titan, uh, as we expected, right? We did expect these three decks to be... Um, I mean, I personally expected Golgari, Yogamoth, and Amulet Titan to be super popular at the high table. They were, but actually zero Amulet players managed to convert to the top eight. There was one in the 10th place, which happens to be the second trophy leader on Magic Online in Modern. So that's kind of cool, Chris MTG. Um, 
Yeah, there was definitely uh, another uh, stats, of course, let's look at the opposite side of the medal. So the decks that underperformed. So the decks that were expected to have players at 10 more wins, but didn't actually have them. Uh, so we have Rakdos Grief, who had a pretty tremendous win rate of 45% uh, in the event. <laughs> uh, it's a, it, was, it was a scam. It was a scam indeed. It was the second most popular deck, and it did very poorly. And then we have... Uh, Amongst the popular deck, kind of tied for how bad they did. Uh, is it Merktide and Hardened Scales? Oh. <laughs> um, it is, yeah, it is honestly no surprise. I don't think Merktide ever put a percentage of above 50% in any tournament, yet people still get trapped by playing it, uh, just like myself. Um, yeah, not too much to say other than. Uh, People just play Merktide because they think they can be the <laughs> the one exception, but you know. Um, I went, and for Coloramnath, apparently did fine. It's probably just because it's precisely good against Yamoth and Rhinos, even though it's bad overall, right? That's so, a, the read here. I, yeah, I think if I read the stats correctly, uh, because again, uh, if you look at the previous stats, uh, that's the expected uh, players with 10 wins or more, well, for Color Omnath. Uh, you know, didn't do well. It was supposed to have more players uh, with 10 wins or more, but they didn't. So despite you see here, oh, look, Four Color Omnath has 52.8. That just means that a bunch of players went slightly above average. Um, oh, so they wins went 9-7 well, yeah. So you could say Omnath was a 9-7 deck? Yes, I mean, I, I, that's exactly, that's exactly uh, what I wanted right, to say. Right. If you, I got if it you right, finally. If you scroll... Uh, <laughs> if you scroll down uh, the names of the deck, the first four color Omnath is uh, Respect the Cat with his uh, Kiruga version of the deck at the 38th place. Um, I mean, that's actually a fine result, right? Uh, that's one yeah. way away from top eight or PT, whatever. It is, yeah. it, is, it is a fine result, but unfortunately, you get a bunch of nothing because top 36 requalified to the next RC, and I believe, uh, I, mean, I guess you won like $200, which is. Kind of crazy because he had an amazing, I mean, eleven four. Yeah, you know, that's it a very, seems that's like a very it's good a weekend. little bit tied on the stat. Like, I just feel like the prices situation, like the structure, does not feel right. Like, so you have situations where you can ID into the PT or top eight, but also you have here like one win literally be between top eight and not even qualifying for the next RC. And and that's it is, I know it just seems like it a is, lot, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, we we keep on I mean, like at least qualify for the uh, at least qualify for the RC. Like I don't know, like yeah. this could be on points. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's it's honestly kind of sad to see how hard it is uh, to get there. And again, you have to, and also like you have to qualify to this event. I guess this is a free event with uh, a lot of money on the line, so that's cool. Like it's a free GP that you qualify to. So you know, well, but you have to not... pay the qualifier, so it's not free anymore. Like. You pay, you pay the fee by paying the qualifiers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you actually not, do not play this for free. It's basically a GP you have to qualify for. In a way. Yes. Yes. The current system is that you play at your LGS and you qualify to a GP and you know you have to top 24. It is know, what I think it the is. system is good. I'm just saying like, like it just seems like the there's a little bit too much people for... At least like, I understand the PT slots are very premium. So, you know, at some point there's going to yeah. be an issue. But the RC slots for next one, you have even a thousand player tournament regardless. Like, you can just throw, like, six more invites here, right? 
which yeah, well, honestly does not change things as much. Yeah, well, but by doing so, you at least you know give these players like a it's like seven slots I, more, right? The I, I would clarify. I mean, from Wizards' perspective, I believe that adding slot adding invites is more high impact than you would assume uh, for logistical reasons. So it's not so much about the direct value of each invite, but that. Uh, the marginal cost of adding additional invites starts to stack up. So you add six invites here and six invites there. It's more than adding 12 invites. Well, I'm saying like for the RC because it's... Yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think invites for the PTR are extremely expensive because these as you just said, but here, you only card it to the same RC itself, right? Well, so like, it's not like the six is going to generate six more. It's just like six stale because I would, the next one will have six more. I would say that perhaps the solution is what they, it's more similar to what they do in Japan, which is the opposite of what you're suggesting, where in Japan, you... That there are more qualifying rounds, so the RC is inherently much smaller, um, which creates that. Um, so it's less disproportionate in terms of the top to the the top prizes uh, compared to the size of the overall field, which I think is what. Um, All right. Can you explain again what they do in Japan? Well, the art. Well, Japan obviously has a completely absurd number of players, so you have to qualify twice. Like you don't you don't win one RCQ and qualify. You win basically an RCQ that qualifies you for another qualify and then if you win that qualify you can play um or if you're in so let's say it's just another layer so let's say no no i know but yeah. like let's say you play at your store you qualify yeah. to an area what in like a thousand people a thousand people to, oh an area qualifier yeah. okay and then like a big ptq yeah like it's a, so, so let's say you qualify layer. to the let's say like the italian count whatever the italian that's actually fine like i think that could be that would work here also. Like you I, just I, have to I, shrink the like RC, a big qualifier yeah. in Spain or whatever. Yeah, like I just feel like this RC, looking at the structure and the slots and the side, this might just be too large. I think it is, and I know. that is a function yeah. of um, organizers, you know, allowing the events to be very large, and maybe that's something that people enjoy. But for example, I think the Japanese, the way the Japanese have done it, is probably a lot more efficient. I think, like, just it's also just more manageable, you know, like. Running yeah, so it's cheaper event. for logistics. Like if you right. if you don't qualify on the big one, you save a lot of money because you don't have to right, go there. Which, you know, I'm just yeah. assuming the same equity. You know, like I might as well just play the qualifier in my area. Yep. And if I win, I'm play, gonna play a small tournament where I have a lot of equity and a, exactly. a large percentage of getting there instead of like this like. Was thinking, out of 1K or I was thinking. I was thinking about another another option. What do you think about? You know, you have you had uh, 900 people in this tournament. What if instead of having only one? you have like three different regional champ and you have to choose which one you want to go. So ideally you have like three of 300 with eight invite each. What do you think of that? Uh, that's well, it's kind of like a little bit of the same in terms of like, well, I guess it's better. The issue is though, the last card is being too far. Like this this step has too many people, right? Like I should, I think I like the Japanese more. That one will not be as different. Like you will have to go to a three, uh, 50 with eight slots only. It's also just it will create yes. another issue. It also sounds incredibly expensive for the organizer. Also that, that sounds that, yeah. unlikely to be yeah. viable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you can know. always like organize other things in the. I mean, yeah, that's okay. I, right. I understand. understand. Yeah. Um, there is a there is going to be a different organizer for Europe, by the way. It's going to be Tournament Center, oh, uh, the the last one mm -hmm. of this uh, of the cycle. So. Uh, we'll see. Maybe things uh, will okay. change from this current system. The next uh, RC will be in uh, Naples, and I'm sure there will be less people than than this, though, because the RC Modern were very popular. And of course, I don't know. I'm expecting less for the next one, but we will see. Really good to uh, see. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, on the other side of the world, there was also another regional championship in, in Brazil uh, that had a total different story <laughs> yeah, wow. than the one in uh, than the one in uh, in Europe. We had uh, four like the opposite Rakta- story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes, we had Literally four. Opposite. So if Rectoscam had a forty-four win percentage in in Ghent in, in Europe, uh, in Brazil there was four Rectoscam, and the winner uh, was Rastaf, the one that uh, kind of popularized the deck again after Marilu uh, won the LMS in Barcelona, and he got the job done with uh, yeah his his deck with Rectoscam. So uh, congratulations to Rastaf, and uh, yeah, in maybe the the, the European players. Uh, Need to be need to play this deck better. I I don't, I, I don't know if this is elitist, but I always feel it's kind of nice when you see like a name player win, especially across multiple tournaments. Like you see, like the winner of the European RC was you know a known player, Marco Del Pivo, and the winner of uh, the Brazilian one was Rastaf. Like I think that's cool. Like it kind of shows that you know that there's. Uh... <laughs> I just got distracted because you looked at the metagame breakdown and I saw the name Just Guy Minotaurs. What was I saying? Oh. Um, you know, like it shows that there's some there's more legitimacy to it, I suppose, maybe. No, no, that's not the word I'm looking for. But it's kind of cool that you can see like players that are just excellent, right? It gives you something to strive for that you can be that player that because it's not that many name players relative to the entire field, right? Like out of all the names that I would recognize easily out of the uh Brazilian RC, not being a Brazilian myself, then it's very impressive that, you know, out of the few that I would know that it was one of them that won. And same thing in the European RC, like I obviously don't know however many many people out of the 900 or so but when it's one that you know is good and they win that's you're like oh you know there's something special there and maybe i could be like that you know it's cool mm-hmm. yeah the uh the the win percentage of the brazilian rc again uh, very much different than the european one with gogari yogamot on 45 win percentage and uh, but there is a constant in that is that is a merc that is always below 50 percent <laughs> how that's does okay, it feel so it, in, how can it, 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 how can two decks everything flip? flips except is said just you know proving the results count? That's yeah, everything so flips except Merktide and Hammer Time, which are always unreasonably popular and constantly below fifty percent. But that is really interesting to me. Uh, like that, that really, like what what are the other factors that can cause that to flip? Like is the that is the meta game is the feel very different? I don't think it is though. Is it like the popular decks are still the popular decks? Like what's going on here? Well, we could say some things like first thing being maybe the of course yes <laughs> the variance yes. is just like uh you know it's just easy to like we're talking yes. about like 100 matches sample size yeah. which is like actually not that much or whatever like you know the scores are like 90 70 you know a few yeah. top decks one way the other now it's like suddenly three percent less and that's it mm-hmm. i wonder how much of this is like because we know rastaf has been champion in the deck yes and we know he's a fairly influential player in brazil mm-hmm. So there's also maybe a little bit of this, you see. know, like like a p- known player championing a deck will actually maybe make a lot of the best players in the region to actually pick up the deck mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. which could skew, you know, right. like this. Uh, so it becomes a selection bias. The selection store. Okay. I'm just looking for a possible explanation. I think that might be one yeah. for this. Like, you know, just imagine like a country, you know, like where... Let's say there's a tournament in Italy. Mango plays a deck a lot, and he wins a lot with it. Maybe there's more players in that tournament with um, that deck, you know, for example. So I'm just wondering that could be a thing. Um, There's a genuine networking effect there, I believe that that exists. I think there might be, yeah, and also I don't know for in terms of the 
DRC in Europe. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but like also like you throw a few individuals in a tournament, even if it's a somewhat large, the actual impact, right? Like if you cut, I don't know, people's group from, from the Rhinos, I'm pretty sure it will have way less win rate, yes. right? So it's actually like the, the impact of certain people also have like... Oh, I definitely noticed that because I scroll, obviously I scroll like through the list and try to find names that I that I know um, or players that I particularly am I'm interested in what they submitted because even if they don't do well the fact that they chose to submit it means something to me you know um, and I did notice a lot of the names that I picked up on were all playing Rhinos and Yorgmoth they definitely skewed very strongly towards these decks um, so exactly but it can also happen that they were on in Brazil with the scam right and that's yes. if, that, if this happens I mean, on top of variants, which obviously is involved uh, there easily, it can also be a thing, I will say. Yeah. Definitely. Play a deck that you know, huh? And that is good. Hmm. Well, Speaking yeah, but if you know a deck that's a scam, well, you still win anyway, apparently. Well, but then maybe it's just good. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's good, but you have to know. Yeah, it. but like, like maybe it's not that. Things. Yeah, but it, it's not that it didn't play it in, in Europe. It was the second popular deck. Maybe they but didn't know how to like, play it as well you know, as the Brazilians one. did. I, I don't know. Like, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's actually yeah. possible. Like, For yeah, sure. that, that's Anthony's point about, like, most people we know more were playing, like, Jam or whatever. That's actually a thing. I don't know, actually. I will have to think more, mean, about, more about it. We, we had a very large testing team. We tested a lot for over a month. And a lot of people started with Scam, also myself. And then we just went off of it because we didn't like it, because we thought it wasn't good. And at the end, I believe only one player played Scam at the end in our like very large testing team where everyone else just played, you know, very good deck. Sure, but Except, maybe if you'd stuck with it, me, you would still have won a lot. Or maybe if you'd stuck further with the deck during testing, you might have played it and then still won a lot. Like maybe that's what happened in Brazil. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case. I have no idea what, what I mean, I, I don't, I, I know what happened firsthand with the European team, but I don't know if that's the case with the Brazilian team, but I think it's very plausible, you know? Um, yeah. Like it's like we don't know we yeah, don't have we also don't know if they work together. You know, like yeah, this could also be a know. group of seven players just taking a ton of my storm, right? Yeah, like what if it's just the same thing that you did, but you know, for the Brazilian event, I, I, it's very possible. Yeah, like having a deck that's very like having a deck that's very well built and very well crafted in plants actually impacts a lot. Like we should probably have to look at the Brazilian lists a little bit, but if some of them are actually like the same, I would not be surprised if some of these players actually work together or whatever. Like if that would be the case, well, no, nah, that's. Yeah, the first two people this in the the seven one people in the standings had the same uh, at the same list. Well, so, I assume if they play the same same exact seventy five, I will expect that to not be exactly a coincidence. Well, so, also the fourth and the fifth in the Swiss seems to have the same list <laughs> with the two Bone Crusher Giant yeah. main deck ready for the mirror match too. Um, so, also it's kind of it funny. Like the four we. We uh, yeah, you know, in handshake we call the deck. black red decks Brazilian because you know um, BR right. So BR, same same as the country yeah. code for Brazil. So we instead of saying Rakdos, we often say Brazilian. Like instead of Rakdos midrange, we say Brazilian midrange. Look at the Brazilian RC. It's like all these Brazilian decks. So the the, the actual playing the same deck, Mengu. That's yeah, I mean yes. The, these guys I mean, might actually be like you know kind of teaming of friends together. Like what some if sort imagine of just, they just like. Imagine they have a connection and there's like a group of ten people playing this deck, and then you just put four in top. Like, like they just, just like, know how to. They just yeah. figure stuff out. They made good plans with the deck, etc. And, I and mean, they just, they're just among the best, also, and they just crush the tournament. Yeah. And that that yeah, just wrote the winner of a deck, yeah. and, and that, that would be the case for any team, any situation. Like, you know, like if you put a good team compared to the field, and they just do well because they're good and have good plans, that's gonna skyrocket the, the 
Yeah, I remember the next win rate. The three Spanish, uh, the three Spanish guys at the RC in Lille with Lotus Field. Yeah, where they seem yeah. to with this continuity all in the. Yeah, uh, yeah, eight, those top, things top happen. You know, season. again in a tournament, they, they keep happening in all kind of tournaments. But it's, I think this could be what is happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's cool. So yeah, if you have to play Rakdos, Grief, uh, maybe Dombi, um, uh, what's the word? Like Dombi. Discouraged. Uh, sorry. Discouraged, exactly, uh, from these uh, uh, European RC results. Maybe look at the Brazilian one well, yeah. and pick I mean, that list. It's just a, like it. the, the popular win rates, like the, the result win rates can tell you th- some things, but it should never tell you to like, well, you should definitely not play the deck because that's the average win rate, right? So if you're hoping or trying to have better plans on your opponents, you don't know how that will actually impact the win rate. So, I mean, I will yeah. obviously proceed with Cation if I had to play like a, a tournament with a scam, but by any means, I will mean, like, I will imply that's not a deck you should avoid. Yeah. Not play if, I don't know. You know, yeah. you know For well. example, Javier, maybe you want to say something about uh, Marto's result, right? Because, well, well you have... He, you have, he played uh, with my cards. That's what I'm going to yes, say. Yes, exactly. These strong, these strong cards are completely <laughs> blessed. <laughs> yes, so I wanted to say that you know, uh, Martos told me that he was between Scam and Merktide a lot, and every time you guys are having uh, lunch together, you always try to make me make him play Tron. And, I mean, he and asked so. me like, "What would you play?" I said, "I will play Tron." <laughs> That's it. Like, it was not that long of a conversation, but. Like I would just, I will just have to play Tron in this tournament. Like I will actually play this list. That's the, yes, the list we talk through. Yeah, I streamed. You know, uh, I streamed this deck. I streamed the deck this morning. I beat two Team Arena's deck very, very easily. Um, yeah, that's this was this was good. And the, well, I, if we're going I, to talk about this. There's a lot of there's a lot of subtle things going on here. I don't know if that's so, what you wanted to hear. Yeah, I saw that uh, you changed from your Pro Tour second place. Uh, list very little, right? Just a relic for a star. No, we actually made some structural changes. Like, for example, okay. what the happened? Scrying got back, you know, like the fourth yes, scrying yes. is back, and fourth the second star scrying. is also back into the deck. And this is just because we got, like, let's say if we have the Ultron on the zero level and the, te- the 10 on aggressively cutting enablers, our PT deck. I wanted to bounce back a little bit. Like I wanted to take the deck a little bit more, like the old Tron, and a little bit less like the new Tron, because the metagame was moving in a direction where we actually do not want to midrange as much. And the games where we actually want to midrange, we can just bank on the Ursa Saga to do the, the heavy lifting. So there were matchups like Amulet, where it doesn't matter what you do, what you want to do is to Tron as fast as you can, as consistently as you can, right? That you're gonna go like star scrying Tron, and that's all you want to do because you don't you're never going to win by just putting tokens with Saga or just like mid ranging turn three one ring with you know like two Tron lands that they are the same and the such. So we actually removed a lot of the like middle ground cards or even the like, matchup like matchup dependent cards like Karn uh, because they weren't mirror was not expected. Like I definitely have not expected Tron in this um, in this tournament. And the, the thing is, same with Yadmoth, right? Against Yadmoth, you ideally want to be as traditional Tron as you can be. So that's why the, the, the wild cards were cut to just have more turn three turns, which is might sound obvious, but it was not exactly the goal for the PT deck. But it was the goal for this weekend's deck because 
you know, like, it, it, I, th I think these changes, I mean, I, they're probably like not as easy to see because you actually didn't notice them on the first side, but they actually change a little bit of the structure of the deck, at least well, on a conceptual level. And yeah, and yeah that, that's that's the, the, the direction I wanted to take. I wanted to be like, all right, we figured out how much we're going to stretch the, the trans legs so you can still run, but now want to, you know, make the legs a little bit stronger just because these reasons, like Jamoth matchup, for example, where you actually like don't want to mid-range as much, but you want the speed to use, you know, like not have vulnerabilities to cause like the color and such. And, and yeah, well, so that that's mostly the thing, right? But that's, I think it's a, it's a well-thought thing, I think. Like it's not randomly put scrying back. Right, or something. so something that I want to highlight, um, well, a couple of things I want to highlight. So uh, the first thing is that although they look like minor changes, these changes do impact a lot more than you would think in Tron. Specifically, so I, like Javier identified that there are structural changes, but it might be unintuitive as to why. But because of the way that Tron mulligans, you just see way more cards early on, which is why, like changing like one scrying and one star are a lot more meaningful than you would expect changing two cards in another deck. So I think that might be the difference in how someone might perceive how large a difference is. But also, I think uh, on a macro level, I would identify that the reason that we would build Tron differently now to the way that we would build Tron in Barcelona is that the format is generally faster now. Um, I think something that, like the, in the, the, the general direction of the format is to be faster once you remove Fury and up to Beanstalk from the format. So like, in, like our goal in Barcelona was to try to build a Tron deck that was capable of playing slightly more fairly with the cards like Dismember, but we moved back a little more in the traditional direction once the format becomes faster the same way that Modern has historically been. So like you remove an incentive to play answers from the format and you remove an answer from the format, the format becomes faster, so you build Tron to be faster as a result, I think. So I think that that's how it intuitively makes sense to me, I would say. Like instead of framing in terms of, I mean, you can frame it in terms of specific matchups, but you know, to try to relate things more generally. That's, that's yeah. It's it. also one thing here is like the format being fast calls for like how much speed you want to have. Like in terms of magic, even if you play like a combo deck or whatever, like being faster often comes with a cost in terms of like stability, top decks or whatever. Like you should try to aim at build your decks at the actual speed you're aiming. Like it's not. This is not like. Well, I'm always gonna try to be faster, or always gonna try to be like more consistent. That's not necessarily the case. And you know, like it, they are often related to be good things. Like your deck is faster, or your deck is more stable. But more stable doesn't mean always it has better win rate. So here we actually went that direction, even though you know for the PT, which is the opposite direction. And fundamentally, your speed is relative to your opponents. So like that's why that can be dynamic over time as well. I would say. Um, True, Axel. Uh, more so in modern, you know, yes. where you can actually just manipulate the speed a little bit by like mulliganing. Yes. Like you can, you can do just in game. You can sacrifice like value for speed very easily by mulliganing slow hands. So it's not like you you have to be that, that extreme at doing so like in in the building stage. Because if you do it in the building stage, you might lose flexibility. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, so yeah. they are connected for sure. Yeah, there's also an it's a breach deck. Let's also have a look at that one. Yeah, I wanted to ask one last question about the right. Tron. Uh, what is the Torpor? Because I saw that you had the Torpor Orb. Was it for Amulet Titan? Yeah, well, Torpor Orb is definitely for Amulet. Like, it's designed to be a one you can just, like, you know, fire on the turn three Karn. So you don't die to as many things. Like, it's basically a card that they have to deal with, and they will, but it's very hard for them to actually just enable the things and kill the Torpor Orb. Like, if you got turn three Karn, Torpor Orb, 
and you can just do other things. Like sometimes the the looking metal calling or whatever is a little bit slow. So it just felt like it was the best one to just play against the the amulet, which was like expected to be the fourth, the, the the fifth deck, I think, right for the fourth or whatever. Like it was an expected deck. So having a dedicated card for uh, amulet was good. Plus also, uh, torpor orb has some random applications. Like you know, you can put it on against like cards like marfolk or whatever like it's not exactly 100% dead anyway like it has some small things i'm saying this because you know like if they're playing a tishana deck with dragons or like <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of small situations uh, that came to mind where topper will be an acceptable cyber card so that's on top of like obviously being the anti amulet card okay um yeah so another important stats that i guess we haven't mentioned to Kind of showed Wait, the dominance of. Uh, what, sorry, what? what we're going to talk about is a breach, wasn't that what Javier said? And then you asked a question about Tron. Should we go yeah, back? Yeah, I, I want to actually look at that deck can because we, I think can it's, we it's cool. Back a bit? Well, yeah, let's go back. Yes, yes, for sure. I, I was going to say, um, yeah. So uh, there was the we mentioned how like Merkta did poorly, but it was a group of Spanish players that came up with uh, is a breach. Uh, that actually also uh, did well the next day in the classic qualifier. So uh, what they did was they essentially played Fair Breach, uh, but no Giganta Companion, so they played Counterspell, and they didn't have Merktide Regent, but had the card Underworld Breach instead. Uh, the goal was to... We're calling be... this Fair Breach, but this is basically like the literally 70 cards, but minus Mortal plus Breach, right? Like this deck does not make any concession to playing Breach, does it? Maybe one consider, but... Yeah, I mean, fair breach, fair breach was the, I mean, like I guess one year ago people were playing a, uh, just guy combo breach, and yeah, I remember just that guy, one. fair breach. Uh, there was like the two ways that you could play on the word breach in a card that kind of like passed away now, but it's back with uh, uh, Nils Gutierrez von Porat, who, um, yeah, I mean, also I remember qualified in Athens with uh, the. Uh, is it Phoenix with Demilich? So definitely unconventional deck choices uh, for him uh, that pay one off. Thing here though, like so maybe there's like okay, so the best Mortal deck was the one with Unmortal. To be fair, if you look at the spread, I mean against Yangmoth, Breach has to be better than Mortal, right? Uh, so I don't know about I don't know about Rhinos, but okay. against Amulet also has to be better than Mortal. Like maybe just like no, no, maybe the Breach is against, better, no? Against Amulet you can't. Mortal is very important against Amulet. Your goal is but, to Breach kills like, people fast, right? It no, is like top five mana mm. kill. I mean, the reason why I played for Merktide Regent was honestly because I tested a lot against Amulet and I thought that that was the best the best way. Ledger Shredder isn't good against Amulet and this list plays four. Uh, I think that uh, also this list doesn't play Force of Negation, doesn't play Subtlety. I think that this list is for sure worse than Blue Ray Merktide against, um, against Amulet Titan. But yes... The well, it has to I be think... much better against Yangmoth. Like this deck has yes. to actually be like yes. Yangmoth. They have to be careful because they just die to the breach. Like it's very hard yes. for them to. For, for sure, them. for sure, this deck is better against uh, Yangmoth. They have, uh, um, of course, main deck endurance uh, and some cyber main deck, some cyber endurance, which obviously is your fear when putting the card under breach on the stack. Whereas you know, Merkta region doesn't suffer endurance that much, but you also have four Ledger Shredder, which ignore uh, endurance and. E, uh, well, this deck also has to be good against Rhinos, I guess. Against Rhinos, against Rhinos, of course. Yeah, you have the Ledger Shredder. So historically, uh, Merc Tide um, with many copies of Ledger Shredder is good against Rhinos. So yeah, I mean, 
you more yeah, than uh, that. I'm looking more than that, like because you can also just breach can counter breach plus a holy hit counters the cascade as well. Like if you play Morta, you can just like Otawara or Fire Eyes or whatever, and often you die. But here you can just uh, do that, right? Like that's yeah. also. Awesome. I'm actually liking this direction. Like I'm looking at this and. I think it makes sense, like for Neil to actually play this over normal Murtaid. Like I think it yeah, just so makes sense in the meta game. It made sense. It for sure made sense. And again, the result definitely speak in uh, his favor. So if you're interested in Murktide, maybe uh, I mean I'm definitely playing this deck on uh, for my Friday Murktide uh, um, column uh, this this weekend because I wanna uh, I want to explore this a little bit better. I would still say that Golgari Yogmoth is favorable. Sorry, it's favorite over this, but definitely. Uh, you know, you had a, a better shot than than Merc died. Like my plan against Yogmoth, which I I tested a bunch, was to have a you know subtlety and force of negation to counter the Caldron Grist. I even had Pithy Needle in the side for Grist and just focus on some like fast Merc that regions. Although obviously Ledger Shredder uh, paired with Brother Zudan is also a decent uh, strategy. So I would say that. Uh, yeah, this deck is definitely a, a good one. I will assume this deck's plan against uh, Jamoth is actually not to like to not care that much about Grist, like just trying to put them on twelve and just kill them with six mana. Like I don't think they're trying to actually grind forever. Like I mean, and that's what I'm, I'm thinking of. Like maybe this deck is just built to do that. Like not you know like not trying to kind of that much aggressively Grist or anything. Just be like. I'm gonna put you left load of total and then just bang, you know, breach, bolt, bolt, bolt. How to do your more things right. when you don't have a high life total? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, th I think that, and also, what, wh how good is Grist if I don't have creatures that cost more than one in a game, right? Because I didn't draw Shadow or whatever. Like, you know, Grist is also great because it cancels the more type thing situation. But like, if you have like, if the game goes a little bit long and you know, there's the cast five mana, well, that's nine life. You can deal, you know, one more than twelve, like. I'm pretty sure that should be a common pattern for this. I, I like how this deck looks. I would not mind trying this if I wanted to play a blue deck in modern right now. It looks Yeah, it looks if your goal to was to have a, a win percentage of around 49, 50%, I think, I think this is a good place to start. No, I'm just, <laughs> jokes aside. Uh, 48. <laughs> jokes, jokes aside with the Merktide, uh, the Merktide hater. Uh, yeah, what yeah. happened? Why, why is Meg no, with the uh, Merktide hater today? What's going on? Am I out of a job? What's happening? No, nah, so I mean weird. I just had a, a rough. I just had a rough weekend, you know. I just uh, trying to still re recovering there, but um, um, yeah. Another. Uh, I just noticed this, and I kind of wanted to say that the of uh, the top sixteen. If you make a cut to the top sixteen, <laughs> there's only five non rhinos, non Yogamot decks, wow. which. Uh, Definitely. Well, wow. Kakanis did say that Why? you have to play a top tier deck. And if you look at the results of the uh, Brazilian and the European RC, it seems very much like the top tier is like, it's rock solid, like more than any other format, I feel. Like in Standard and Pioneer. It's never been like this in modern and, and barely not know. other formats. I feel formats. like it's yeah, kind of been, very... it's been, it's been a little bit like this in modern before, but not to this extent. Like, yeah, before the ban was like a little bit like this as well, where there was a top tier, but it was a slightly larger top tier. Now we see like for sure that we've got there's a proper grip. It's like there's no tier two. Kind of. I agree with but that. I feel like yeah. in modern now there's no tier two. There's like tier one and tier three. Where on the other hand, modern has always had a healthy, like a large amount of tier two decks, always. Like every time you will see often like, you know, this tier two decks doing actually fine. This hammer decks doing fine sometimes. Like, oh, a lot of, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like all these decks being there. 
It just feels like tier two is disappearing. It's just tier one or just like people going rogue because their deck is not expected, which can actually win tournaments. I'm not saying it's um it's impossible or anything, but it's it's like the the mountain they have to climb is like higher. Uh, yeah, I think the gap is just much larger for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How about guys? Uh, we talk about something that we discussed uh, this morning. What? Uh, because I think that we're kind of going in that direction. The 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 tweet that I wanted to post and uh, oh, ask, what did you think about? Javier's breakfast. I don't know what you're talking um, about. Actually, I actually thought you were talking about yeah. Javier's breakfast. All right, hang on. What you're gonna have to? <laughs> yeah, can you catch us up? No, yeah. The, so, um, so what happened? Uh, you know, after the ban of Fury and Beanstalk, is that uh, the decks Yogmoth and I think Amulet Titan made this like huge barrier of entry. Because no deck was like good against either, except of Rhinos. So you kind of have this trio on top of the metagame, which kind of pushes everything away. Because this, these two decks, uh, Yogamot and Titan, are so powerful that again, like push everything away. The only one that can sneak in is Tumor Rhinos, because again, it's good against them. Uh, so this basically like what happened after the ban, which again, scam had a good matchup against both Yogamoth and uh, Amulet before the ban. So it was keeping the modern metagame in check and kind of like uh, you had a lot of decks that were good. So you had more diversity, you had more, uh, yeah, just mo mostly more diversity. Whereas now I think that's kind of gone because Scam was secretly just keeping the format together. And, and that's something that I thought even before they, they banned I, I never really said anything, but I think that this this result kind of um, you know uh, say this, and I wanted to hear your opinion because again, uh, we yeah, I mean, this, in this podcast, I think it's it's nice to uh, speak about those things. So I think that right now, modern is probably the worst it's ever been recently oh. since Modern Horizons two, and it's because of the ban list of whoa, 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 uh, whoa, 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 whoa. of no, Fury no, no. and up the Beanstalk. <laughs> no. No, no, are you just saying things to make me defend modern? This is. No, I can't. I, I can't agree with that. I, worse? He's trying to trigger you. <laughs> no, I think I think modern's kind of nice right now. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was better before the ban, maybe, but like, I, I don't think worst. Mike, we we have had some truly miserable formats, surely. But no, I said after Modern Horizon two. Yeah, even then, I I don't know. I, I I don't think it's that bad. So like something that's important to me, I think the play patterns matter a lot. And I mean, I don't love Amulet, but there are still interesting games that come from it. And I think Yorkmoth and Rhinos. I I mean. I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think like a small number of decks is necessarily a very bad thing, so long as they play in interesting ways. Um, I don't know if I. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case in abundance here, but to say it's the worst because there are not many decks, I think, is a premise that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. Um, I mean, yeah, for me, the worst one I can remember is when Modern had, like, 20 million decks and none of them could interact with each other. Like, you will have, like, Boggles versus Burn versus Infect versus Storm yeah. versus Turn 3 still kill no. Storm versus... That's for sure know. we agree but, like, with. And, they, and yes. they, they, were like, they were, like, 14 playable decks, but it was, like, just skinny. Like, it was, like, so bad because you could not interact. Like, I don't oh, think yeah, the amount of decks uh... is really related to that. I think that Modern is, like... I think this Modern could have, could have to be, like... Call of God versus team are like only in the whole meta game for, for it to be like it will not be worse because the games are kind of fine yeah, like, like... yeah it will not be worse I, I think I think those are magic worse I think modern has just been very bad for like too long for this to be oh yeah worse. no I mean 
for sure. Before Modern Horizons 2, I was never playing Modern, and I just never thought that it was a good format. But, you know, after I think the format became uh, Legacy-esque with a lot of uh, uh, high-good and interaction cards that made the, you know, the deck, like, the Red Merc died and stuff like that good. Wasn't. And, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. My, my, well, my side was less horrible in more recent history than it was before. <laughs> That is true. Uh, but so, I mean, I didn't like the, the Fury ban, right? Like that's something yeah. I said here in the podcast. I yeah. really felt strongly about Grief should be the ban because Grief is like, you know, turn one heal, whatever. But Fury also, like, I mean, one thing we're seeing with Fury is like, it kind of keeps things, but also it's just a, it was a flexible, decent cyber card as well in many decks or a tool to have for a lot of decks that actually, you know, I think made the medic and Breacher or whatever. Like, it's not that easy to play around Fury. It's not like, you know, Blood and Mortet played a lot of Furies, but the one or two off on the sideboard will actually help against that Golgari, right? And I just think the card was totally fine to have in the format, but I, mean, I still think I this know. is... I mean, obviously, this is it was not easy to pre, like to prevent, like to see coming what will happen in Modern. Like, it's very hard. It's impossible. I don't think anyone human can actually, like, you know, like, foresee this happening, but... It was a possibility, like, that removing Fury will make some of the creature decks, specifically Yamoth. I'm saying Yamoth because if creature decks are good, Yamoth is good against creature decks. So the presence of Yamoth makes it so, like, because, I mean, ideally you can be like, well, we can take out Fury and then, you know, there will be, like, Sue decks and Agro decks or whatever, or Hammer decks and blah, blah, blah. But that's not the case because Yamoth exists. Different shot. Right? So if you... (laughs) Yeah, this just destroys all decks like this. Like, if you are going to play, like, a rogue deck, might as well just be, like you know, Living End or like Tron or whatever, but not, definitely not Sue because you're going to get Yamothed big time. And that's a lot, that's a lot of, you know, it's because of Fury and also the fact that Grief is there still makes a scam a reasonable choice in terms of mid-ranging, which, you know, puts, puts a, like you cannot play another kind of removal deck because it's going to be worse than scam, right? Uh, so I think, banning Fury, I didn't like it. I thought, I thought it was like a mistake in a way compared to Grief. But I also think the outcome was somewhat unfortunate in that regard. Uh, but I actually agree with Mango that the format is now worse than it was before the bans, in my opinion. Well, I agree with that. I'm, so but like, I, that compared to like before that, like that's, I don't know. No, yeah. definitely not. It's a decent format. But like, I mean, we were in a spot where actually all formats were fine, right? Yeah. I guess except Pioneer, but Pioneer also got better. It's so, way better now. Uh, but, no, but yeah. again, maybe you guys misunderstood me. I said the worst since Modern Horizons. Too. No, we, we agree. No, we, we disagree right, with so. that. Like, I, I just don't think yeah. that. Like, this format is worse than before they banned Fury and Up the Beanstalk. But both of those formats, like the two most recent formats, are significantly better than a lot of post Modern Horizons two formats. Like, I just don't think they're that bad. Like, and I, I don't want to discount the Brazilian results here. By the way. Like it, I don't think it's only uh, Yorgmoth, Amulet, and uh, Rhinos. I think Scam is a that's big part true. of that. And then if you look at that, Amulet yes. tends to be the one that's least represented for various reasons. Uh, you know, particularly its barrier to entry. And then if you look at the other three, like Yorgmoth is less interactive clearly, but there's still a lot of interesting things going on with that deck. A lot of difficult decisions. And Rhinos and Scam are like fundamentally, like they're fundamentally interactive decks. Like they're good because they interact as well as put pressure. So like. If multiple of the decks that are good in modern are interactive decks, that's already so much better than how modern has been for such a long time in, in terms of its existence after Modern Horizons 2 that I think that's great. I, I like I just don't think the gameplay from Scam or Rhinos is particularly bad compared to 
alternatives like Tron or whatever being good. So, a Living Game. Uh, yeah, like I, yeah, I like Tron, Tron, bad. Living Game being good is not great for gameplay. Right? Yeah, I think Living like, Game is truly the worst uh, play experience <laughs> that you can have. Yeah, I, like I, in uh, in in modern. Well, it's not great. I don't know. It's subjective as well. But I, it like could for be, us, it, we like interactive gameplay, and it seems like I don't think modern is very bad in that regard right now. Like, what's the problem? It's not like Tron being great is you know fun. Like, I mean, I'm a Tron fan, but like Tron is not like particularly fun gameplay. You just assemble Tron and cast cards. I, I gotta say, <laughs> like, cards. a lot of the time, like yeah. the devil you know is the, is the one that's preferable. You know, I like. And some people they they don't like that there are not so many interactive decks, not so many different interactive decks. But you know, people are like oh, you can only play one or two. But you know, there's a there's a number that's much worse than one or two interactive decks or one or two different uh, good answers in the format. That's zero. Like this, maybe you know. Yeah, I just feel like Yamoth is like let's say Yamoth is the worst, the best deck. Mm-hmm. I think Yamoth is a much more oppressive slash repetitive best deck than Scam is. Yes, and Scam. Like, I think yes. Scam was a very good best deck like yes. the same way Murted if Murted was good it would be actually a very good best deck as well oh it would be wonderful but I think Yamoth is not such because Yamoth is more like you know it's it's interactive like you can interact with, with it and whatever but like it's more like oppressive yes. like, the decks that are bad against Yamoth are very bad and you require like actual hit cards these hit cards actually exist you know there's a lot of stuff like this and I don't think that speaks very well the format right now but I mean it's I think it's just fine. I I don't think this modern is great, but I definitely think. Uh, yeah, I agree. I can also see if you like it. I, I don't know. I I don't really can compare formats and quality that much unless I find right. it's extreme. Yes. Uh, but like if if it was a PT of this modern right now, I think there there would be like there. I think the, just to be clear, the spots to play different decks exist. Like for this tournament, I will actually have played Tron, which is not among the top five decks or whatever, right? So there there's still a spot. But just knowing that you're giving up so much by playing such an inferior deck, it's uh, uh, you know it's a tough feeling, I would say. <laughs> That's fine. I don't know. Like, I mean, I I think there's just a lot of room between. I mean, I don't think it's great either. I think it's fine, and there's just a lot of room between not as good as the previous one and the worst. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. I think it's totally fine. Yeah, no, Relatively absolutely. Speaking. I mean, I remember playing the the playing the modern Super League that I got invited to. Mm-hmm. I just played a lot of different decks, and I felt like I was actually like not giving up by playing different decks. Like yes. I think playing different decks made a lot of sense. If this happened now, I'm pretty sure I would play mostly the top four decks almost every time. But at the other time, I played like Hammer, Tron, Control, right? The Scam. Like I play, I I just play different ones that were not perceived as the best yeah, ones. For Call of Beans, Scam. Yeah. Play, yeah, it's like, you know, but now it's a little bit more condensated. Do we, you know, it is what it is. Are we, are we measuring formats that by how much we, how much we like them based on how likely it is that we play something horrible? Like, and that it's fine? Yeah, you exactly. Know, like in, I, think that's, I think that's actually a good Yeah, like if you think about it, it like modern, it's just like, you know, it's really tough to sell me on playing a deck that's not in the top tier. And then, you know, in Pioneer, like maybe you could sell me on doing it. And then in Standard, you, it's fine if we just shot with the most heinous deck with the worst cards that have ever been printed. And, it, you know, it, it's totally fine. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you said it's a joke, but I actually think I'm not, that's I'm not totally common. Joking. Like, I'm for real. Yeah, like, like if you if you can play a bad deck, perceived as bad deck, without giving up so- too much equity, that's probably sign of a good format. That that might be true. I will have to think about it, but I think I kind of agree. I know, <laughs> I think I agree. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the problem with modern, right? Because there's like amulet and yogmoth looming over any like deck choices, punishing. And Rhinos but, also, yeah. by the way. 
that one. Not yeah, but so much. I feel like rhinos is rhinos. It's more like I want to say exploitable. Like you can definitely build the deck. I don't ever think um, it's like exploitable. Like I think it's just like a very fair deck. Like it's not. It's it doesn't yeah, like it, it completely is. destroy anything and and doesn't get completely destroyed by anything. Like if you just ignore the existence of rhinos, that would be totally fine. Like you like you cannot ignore something like Amulet or Yorgmoth because if you turn up with the wrong thing against them. You don't even play the game, but like Rhinos is, is just a magic deck, you know. <laughs> like it's plus you can also put the explosives and the void. Yeah, you can do that, but like it's less one. like you know polarizing. I, I think. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you were just gonna pretend a deck yeah, didn't exist, like... it'd be Rhinos, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like I testing testing Merktide against Amulet a lot. It definitely felt like I needed to build like the exact seventy five yeah. and have a good plan to beat Amulet, and that's supposed to be your one of the good matchup, you know. And yet, is, it was so hard. Is that necessarily a bad thing? And, uh, Don't you think that there's some element of challenge to that? Like, well, forty-eight percent, you know, requires a lot of matchups like this. I will say. Uh, yes, that's true. But I'm, I'm saying like you it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I don't know. You say it like it's bad, but I don't know if it is. Oh, no, no, I didn't be. say it's bad. I'm just saying I was just I was just saying how good is Amulet basically by okay. saying that. But maybe it's good. Even um, like maybe it's good for the format that it's that good. But then there's a challenge to like trying to beat it. That that might be good, right? Yeah. Am I coping? I don't know. It's, it doesn't sound that <laughs> bad to me, though. Anyway, if you are, uh, you know, testing for DRC, definitely get ready for those uh, those three decks, I think. Rhinos, Yogmoth, and, uh, I, I, and I, Amulet. I'm, scam, scam, scam. Come on. The Brazilians are real. I, you wanna... I don't know. Okay. Like, why, why are we ignoring them? Because they're on the other side of Europe, and that's where you live. I, I don't know. I, you're right, I would you're include right. Bra- you're uh, right. Let's include Brakdos. Please. I will definitely, I will definitely include the scam. Yeah, definitely. Do, do not count that out because it's a very good deck as well. Yeah, pay attention to the Brazilian. I don't know. I want to say that. I test. It's just that I tested and I found that scam was weak. So that's why I'm I know. Saying but I'm saying like they have I different results because they they probably tested differently and found different things. So we should we should weight that heavily. In fact, maybe maybe you should weight it yeah. more because you exactly. you know what you know, but you don't you can, know yeah. you don't know what you don't know. You know. <laughs> Exactly. No, there's more you can learn. Yeah, yeah in the different place. I that's that's also you know a good life lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think. Uh, do you guys any have anything else to say about those uh, you know in depth modern talk that we had, or can we wrap it up? I'm just really confused. Please. I don't really understand Dude. like how today I ended up defending Murktide and modern. It just like we didn't. We didn't. You got I want to say that this mango. was not script, this was not like scripted. Like we didn't plan to do this or anything. I I just. I don't know. That's just what I thought. <laughs> Weird. That's why you fall in, fell, fell for it. Yeah. Mango, Mango just very confused. You know, right. Outclassed. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just a little bit sad because I love modern and recently, like, I just I just feel like it's worse than it was you know last month or previously. Like simply as that. Like whenever I stream, you know, I'm a I'm a variety modern streamer, mm. and recently I've streamed only good decks, and I only got four ones. And whenever I stream it, and whenever I stream a, a, be- a deck that isn't in these deck, I don't even get close. I always get like two, three. What's well, harder? Know? I don't know. And I feel like <laughs> I, I get it, but I don't know. This wasn't modern. The, you know, this wasn't the modern format that I that I like to play. So this is why I am a little bit negative about this. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. sometimes things get a little bit worse than they used to be, and still be good enough. You know, so. Just enjoy the ride. Okay. It's, it's also it can okay. also just be fleeting. Like I don't know. It doesn't seem like. Have you? How long have you noticed this trend? Maybe a couple of weeks, right? Like it's not. 
that much of a sample. It can pass, actually. yeah. I don't know. This weekend, <laughs> by the way, this weekend, by the way, there's a pre-release. I'm super excited. Oh, I will nice. go to uh, the pre-release in my store, uh, definitely on Friday and Saturday. So I hope to open some uh, uh, blue-red surveillance to add them to my Merktide deck. <laughs> nice. Or Breach deck. Yeah, it could be. I might actually, deck. you know, I don't think I will pre-release, but, you know, I might. Who knows? <laughs> I think a magical line will come on Mer uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. Yeah, those I will definitely play. Yeah, yeah, that we have to play, test a lot. We have to play. We upcoming... get to play. We get to play. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, we get to play. I like that more. We'll okay, back. and that's, uh, I that's guess signal. I think. Oh yes, probably. Yeah, both magical line and, and MTG melee went down together. So I guess you have to go to the wilds now. Doesn't mean you know the gods are sending it's... a message. You have to go out to the streets. Touch grass. This is like this yeah. time of the year. Wow. No, All right, no, I will no, touch I have... some. You know, I will go to the mountain and touch some, some grass and just. Chase some boars. Have, That's what I'm gonna do now. Obviously, I have some. I have, I have some more. I'm actually gonna do it. Not kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, thank you so much for listening to here. As always, if you want to support us, there's Patreon.com/carnings. We didn't have any new Patreon recently, but you know, if you're one of them, if you're one of them, thank you so much for that. And I'll see you in the Carnies Discord. And uh, yeah, that was it. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. All right, thank cheers. you. Bye -bye.